You know, it's interesting uh, the responses that people give as to why they can't do something or can do something or maybe excuses they give. I was reading Metropolitan Insurance Company published some of the explanations they received from automobile, automobile policyholders as to why they had an accident. So listen to some of these. One said, the other car collided with mine without warning me of its intention. An invisible car came out of nowhere, struck my car, and vanished. One said, the guy was all over the road. I had to swerve a number of times before I hit him. Another one said, I've been driving my car for 40 years. I fell asleep at the wheel and had an accident. Another one said, I pulled away from the side of the road, glanced at my mother-in-law, and headed over the embankment. Another one said, the pedestrian had no idea which way to go, so I ran over him. <laughs> Whenever God called Moses, he, he gave some interesting responses. I want you to listen to how the story began. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, but it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. Moses, Moses, he said, here I am. And he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. This morning, I want us to look at this story and kind of unfold it a bit. I probably won't tell you anything you haven't heard in the story. You know the story. I want us to see some things about ourselves in the story. And so let's look. First of all, number one on your outline, God appears to Moses, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. The story begins, it was an average ordinary day out in the wilderness, out in, out in the southern peninsula, mountain range called Mount Horeb. Moses was out there tending the flocks of his sheep. Actually, not his sheep, his father-in-law's sheep. You may remember the story of Moses. He was born as a little baby, a Hebrew baby, and uh, they were killing little babies in Egypt, and so they placed him on the Nile River hoping he'd be found, and of all people, Pharaoh's daughter found him and took him in and raised him. And so here is this Hebrew that was raised in the Egyptian palace. And he always had a heart for his Hebrew people. But one day he noticed that, a, that an Egyptian was beating a Hebrew and it angered Moses. And he, he rose up and, and, and fought against the Egyptian and killed him and realized, oh my goodness, I've killed him. And so what I do with the body? So he hid the body in the sand hoping nobody would find out. Well, they found out. And so Moses thought, I'm found out. I've got to leave Egypt. And so he ran all the way to his father-in-law's place in Midian. Thought, well, I just live out the rest of my days. I'm a murderer. They're looking for me. I'm a wanted man. 
I'll just live obscurely in the desert and no one will ever find me. And he lived that way for 40 years. One day, at the age of 80, 80 years old, he's tending the flocks of his father-in-law. He, he didn't even have a flock of his own, I don't guess. Tending the flocks of his father-in-law, when all of a sudden he noticed something unusual. This bush over here was burning. Now, there are a lot of thorn bushes in, in that part of the southern peninsula, and so, so it's not unusual to see a thorn bush, nor is it unusual to see one burning. It gets really hot out there, and they're, they're dry, and it's like tinder anyway, and so it, it, they spontaneously combust many times. It's not really unusual to be going along, and there's a bush on fire. That wasn't the unusual part. The unusual part on this day was Moses was tending the flock and he sees a bush that's burning but it's not consumed because it goes quickly. I mean those thorn bushes they flame up and they're out like that and this one just kept burning. And he looked and the, it, there are no branches or charred, no leaves are curling up and it, it just it's not burning up. It wasn't crackling, didn't diminish and he thought that's odd. So he turned aside from what he was doing to go look. And whenever he did, the angel of the Lord appeared out of the bush and called his name. Twice. Moses! Moses! Have you ever noticed in the Bible how when God really wants to get somebody's attention, he mentions their name twice? Abraham! Abraham! Samuel, Samuel, Simon, Simon, Martha, Martha, Saul, Saul. You've been calling your name twice. Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. And God said, stop, do not come a step Father, where you're standing is holy ground because I'm here. Take your shoes off. You're on a holy place. And the Bible says that Moses, whenever God saw that he had turned aside to see, he spoke to him. Did you notice that God didn't speak as long as Moses was going about his day doing what he always does. He waited for Moses to stop and turn aside and look at God. And then he spoke. So many times we want God to speak to us. Oh God, I want to know what to do. Do I quit this job? Do I marry this person? Do I, do I invest in this? I want to know what to do. But we never stop long enough to turn aside to look at God. We just want to go ahead and keep going about our business and let God speak to us. He doesn't work that way. He, he's, he wants your attention. So he'll wait till you stop and look up and acknowledge his holiness. He wanted Moses to know, you're on holy ground. Moses, there's a huge difference between you and me. You're, you're a sinful human and I'm holy. And when you recognize this difference, you're ready for me to speak. And we're all 
all sinners. I am. All of us are sinners. And we all must repent of that so God can speak to us. He said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when he said that, the Bible said Moses hid his face. I'm a murderer, Lord. I can't look at you. And then God spoke. Now, I want you to listen to the conversation. Number two on your outline, chapter 3, verse 7 to 4, 17, there's a conversation. Now, here's the background of the conversation. God's people had been enslaved in Egypt for at least... 350 years. Now, they'd been there longer. Remember, Joseph took them to Egypt, and they weren't enslaved. They were, there was food there, so they, they had to live. But then, after a while, Joseph died. A Pharaoh rose who didn't know Joseph and enslaved God's people. So they've been enslaved for at least 350 years, and life is miserable. They're crying out, oh, God, deliver us from these Egyptians. It's horrible. Life is bad. We're tasked. Their, their taskmasters were slaves and they cried out constantly to the Lord, God, hear us. Somehow send a deliverer. And for 350 years, not a word back. Nothing from God. And they had to have wondered, are you listening? Do you hear us? Do you see us? We're your people. Nothing. And so now the conversation with Moses picks up. Moses, I've seen my people, and I've heard their cry. I've been listening, and I've been watching, and I've come down to deliver them, and you're going to do it. Notice the emotional and action words I've seen, I've heard, I know, I've come down, their cry has reached me. And this morning, whatever situation you're in, you may have been crying out to the Lord, God, are you even listening? Do you even know I'm here? Do you care? And that may be your question today. But I can assure you, God knows everything that happens to you. He has not turned his back. Maybe... Maybe it's just now that the answer is supposed to come. Maybe you're part of the solution because Moses was part of the solution. Maybe. Moses, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh to bring my people out of Egypt. Now, hold on a second. God didn't need Moses. He could have snapped his finger. He could have said, Pharaoh, you're done. People, you're free to go. He didn't have to do the Red Sea. He didn't have to go back and forth with all these plagues. He could have just done it. But he chose to use a human to do his work. He still does. He chooses to use you. Sure, he can snap his fingers. He chooses to use you and me. So the conversation starts. Moses asks a question. Lord, who am I? Who, who am I? I'm just on the, in the backside of the desert. I've been out here. I'm 80 years old. I'm too old. I just tend sheep. It's all I do. I'm not bothering anybody. I've run away from Egypt. They don't know where I am. I, I'm not talented. I'm not special. I'm not trained. I'm not gifted. Who am I? You haven't appeared to anybody for 430 years. Why me? 
And maybe you've asked the same question. God, why, why me? I'm not special. I'm not trained. I'm not gifted. I'm not talented. Why me? And God responded by saying, Moses, I'm with you. That should have been enough, right? I mean, he should have said, oh, okay, I'm not special, but God, you're with me. Since you're with me, here we go. But it wasn't enough for Moses. Sometimes it's not enough for you. God tells you, I'll be with you. And you go, yeah, okay, well, that's great, but I need more. And Moses responded with a second question. Lord, who am I going to say sent me? Who sent me? Okay, so I go to my people, the Israelites, and say, I'm your deliverer. And they're going to say, who sent you? Who are you? And then, if they do listen, Lord, what if I go to Pharaoh and he says, who sent you? Who are you coming in the name of? What do I tell them? What if this happens? And what if that happens? And Moses begins to play the what if game. You know, you've played it. I, I have too. Well, what if I follow you and this happens? What if I can't do what you call me to do? What if I don't say the right words? What if I can't make it financially? What if I fail? What if they don't receive me? You know that what if game. God responded, you tell them, I am sent you, because I am that I am. He didn't say, I was who I was, or I will be what I will be. Whatever your present tense situation, I am. I am sent you. Now listen to what God says next. Moses, that is my name for all generations, I am. Now, Moses, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go to your people, the Israelites, and you'll gather all the elders together, and you will tell them, the Lord appeared to me to deliver you because I've been observing Egypt, and then I promise to bring you out to a land that flows with milk and honey. Now, Moses, they're going to listen to you. So then, next, you go to Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh, here's what you tell him. You tell them, the God of the Hebrews, Yahweh, I am, has sent me to you, And he says that he wants us to go worship a three-day journey into the desert, worship and sacrifice, and then we'll come right back. So you tell him that. But Now, I know that Pharaoh's not going to let you go. So I'm going to stretch out my hand against him, and all these plagues will come, but eventually he's going to let you. And then when you go out, you're not going to go out these old rags on. You're going to go out. I'm going to give the gold and the silver of Egypt to you. You're going to plunder it. And your sons and your daughters, you're going to go out with new clothes. So Moses go. God told him the rest of the story of Exodus. He told him exactly what was going to happen. He doesn't always do that. He doesn't, he doesn't tell me, or to, he hasn't told me in the past, now you're going to pastor a church, you're going to be here, you're going to end up in Garland. And all. He didn't say that. But he told Moses. 
And Moses should have said, God, you are so good, let's go. But he had one more question. What if they don't believe me? Still playing that what if game. What if they don't believe me? What if they say, God didn't appear to you? What if they don't listen to me? What if, they, what if they're just not interested? And God said, Moses, what's that in your hand? What? Your hand. What's in your hand? Oh, it's, it's a staff. I just I tend the sheep with it. Why? Throw it on the ground. That's right. Throw it on the ground. Okay throws it on the ground and whenever he did the staff turned into a snake Moses is gone he's out of there the Bible says he ran away and God's going Moses come back it's just a snake come back Moses came back and saw it still slithering there and stood at a distance and God said okay Moses pick it up I can't hear you I said pick it up okay he sneaks behind it and starts to reach behind the head. And God says, no, 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 no. By the tail. Lord, you don't know how we do things out in the desert. Out here, if we do pick, we don't, but if we do pick snakes up, it's behind the head so they don't bite you. No, no, pick it up by the tail. And I can just imagine Moses sneaking up, and that snake's there sneaking up and trying to get the very back end of the tail. And as soon as he touches it, the snake turns into the staff again. Why? Because the symbol of Egypt was a snake. You know how nations have symbols? Ours is the eagle. Egypt was the snake. And they saw in the serpent power. In fact, the pharaohs would wear a necklace of metal with a cobra head right in the middle pointing out at you. The power of the snake was Egypt. God let Moses know your staff, your leadership is going to control Egypt. And then he said, Moses, take your hand and put it inside your cloak. So Moses took his hand and put it in the cloak. He said, now pull it out again. He pulled it out and it was leprosy. I mean, leprosy is deadly. It's, in, it's incurable. Leprosy. He probably panicked. Lord, my hand. And he says, put it back in your cloak. And he put the hand back in the cloak and pulled it out again. And it had been restored like new. You see, God's people had gone into bondage and had become defiled. And Moses was going to go back in and restore them. Two powerful symbols. And then God said, Moses, if those two signs don't work, they should. But if they don't, one more sign I want to give you. Go to the Nile River in Egypt and get some of the water and pour it onto the ground, and the water will become blood. You see, Egypt worshipped the Nile. The Nile River was called by Egypt the gift of the gods. They felt like the gods gave them the Nile as a gift. And they thought, we're blessed as a nation. We have the Nile. And so their entire calendar was, was 
formed around the Nile and the rising and the lowering. And at flood stage, they felt like that the god Osiris supposedly drowned in the Nile. And they thought whenever the, 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 the power of Osiris forests the Nile, and whenever the Nile rises, that's Osiris coming back to life. And when it goes down, it's Osiris dying. And they felt all of the power of their life was in the Nile. And God touched the Nile to show your life is nothing. And the symbol of life in Israel was blood. He had told his people there's life in the blood. Powerful symbols to show Moses, I'm going to empower you over Egypt. They'll not stand against you. Now you'd think after those three signs, it have said, oh God, this is going to be fun. I can't wait to get them back. Let's go. He said, I've got another question. Lord, I, I can't speak well. I try to talk. I stutter. It's just, I'm slow of speech. In fact, the Hebrew word he uses there means to be heavy. My tongue's heavy, Lord. I don't talk well. How can I go and speak to my people and speak to Pharaoh? I, I don't speak well. Now, hold on for a second. Moses is not really telling the truth. Because if you go to the New Testament, the book of Acts chapter 7, verse 22, Stephen is preaching to the council, and he's going through the history of Israel, and he says about Moses, Moses was trained in the Egyptian palace, and he spoke well. Oh, wait a minute, Stephen told on him. He was eloquent. Just didn't think he was. God said, Moses, who made your mouth? Who created it? Well, you did, Lord. Yeah, exactly right. I created everything by a word. I just spoke a word and everything came into existence. You don't think I can control your mouth? But how many of us say, God, I can't do that. I can't speak. I can't preach. I can't sing. I can't teach. I can't witness to my neighbor. I'll mess it up. I, I can't go to somebody and forgive them. I don't have the right words. I can't do it. You ever use that excuse? And then finally, it came down to the last statement by Moses. God, send somebody else. I don't want to go. Have you ever told God that? I just don't want to. I, just don't want, I don't want to get active in church right now. I, I don't want to recommit my life. I don't want to, I don't want to be saved. I, it's not now. It's not for me. Have you ever told him that? I just don't want to go. And for the first time in this whole passage, God got angry at Moses. Chapter 4, verse 14 says, His anger was kindled against Moses. He said, Moses, okay, tell you what, your brother Aaron is on your way to see you right now. In fact, he'll be here in just a minute. You tell Aaron to go and be your spokesman for you so the both of you will go. 
you will be his mouthpiece and he will be your mouthpiece and you will be as God to him. So get your staff and let's go. Folks, you know what I find interesting? God didn't just tell Moses, see, I'll go get somebody else. See, Moses, you tend sheep, you miss the blessing, you stay out here till you die, see you later. I'll go get somebody else. He came after Moses, and he didn't let him up. And he went after Jonah, and he didn't let him up. And he won't let you up either. He keeps coming. Because he wants to use you. Now here's what I find interesting. Aaron was Moses' right-hand man, and he became a thorn in Aaron's and Moses' side. Look at the story. I mean, Moses went up to get the Ten Commandments, and he walked back down the mountain, and Aaron had go fashioned a golden calf, and oh, it was a mess, and Moses had to straighten it out. And then you go to Leviticus 10, and, and Aaron's sons had offered an impure offering to the Lord, and they were wicked, and it caused all kind of problems in the camp. And then you go a little bit later to Numbers 12, and Aaron led an outright mutiny, a rebellion against Moses. Oh, he's a thorn in his side. But that's what he wanted. He got it. Be careful with your excuses to the Lord. You might get them. And they might be a thorn in your side. It's better to say yes. So, what has God been speaking to you about for quite some time? And you've given one excuse after another. And he won't let you up. time to say yes many years ago there was a teenage boy that went to church by the name of Calvin he he went to church and he loved God the only thing the only problem was Calvin was he was an odd little man he was he was different and he's odd and he's unusual and one day Calvin told the pastor, God's called me to preach. And the pastor thought, oh my goodness, anybody but Calvin. <laughs> and everybody went, Calvin? There's a lot better candidates in our church than Calvin. No, God's called me. His next door neighbor told his mother, I think Calvin's about the most inferior boy I've ever met. Whenever his sister found out that, that he, he was called to preach, called to the ministry, the sister told the pastor, I think God got the wrong number. And the pastor said, well, I'm not certain he had the wrong number, but I think it was a poor connection. Nobody really believed him and believed it. But Calvin was assured. So he graduated high school and he went to Oklahoma Baptist University. And then he went to Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He graduated seminary, and Calvin Miller um, went to Omaha, Nebraska to start a church. 
Westside Baptist is what he called it. And he started with 25 members and stayed 25 years in that little church. And when he left, they were running 2,500 because Calvin could preach. He's an odd guy. But God had blessed him. After that, he uh, started writing books, and he became one of the best authors and best pastors in the Southern Baptist Convention. His books, he was highly intelligent. His books were, he was the best Southern Baptist thinker in the 70s and the 80s. Wrote one book on, actually a trilogy called The Singer. Some of you may have read it. And he wrote another book he was famous for, it was really good, called Love Letters to God. And he just writes love letters to God. They're powerful. He wrote 40 books. Calvin went on to be a professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and then before he died in 2012, the last eight years, he was a preaching professor and pastoral ministry professor at Samford's Beeson Divinity School. And I didn't know it until after I used this illustration in the first service, I had members coming to me and say, Calvin Miller was our interim pastor here at the church after Roger McDonald. And they said, you're right, he was odd. I met Calvin. His daughter went to OBU with me, Melanie, and I met Calvin, and um, he, my last church, came and preached a revival for us. God had blessed him and gifted him so much, but he'd been the last person you'd pick. Just an odd guy. But you know, God has always been notorious for taking weakness and making it strength. And taking the least and making them great, and taking the last, and making them first. So what is it you can't do again? Father, I want to thank you today for this passage and how you speak to us, and Lord, how you call people like Moses. And Lord, I, I'm sure you've spoken today to people and maybe been speaking to them for a while about their lives. Some need to be saved. Some need to get back in church. Some need to recommit their lives back to you. Some need to start walking with you again. Some need to go to someone and forgive. Some need to share the gospel with their family or neighbors. Some need to sing. Some need to preach. Some need to teach. Some need to go. And so, Lord, whatever you've called us to do today, rather than offering the reasons and excuses as to why we can't, give us the courage to just say yes, knowing that you're going to bless and you're going to empower and life's going to be better because of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.